0: back episode seven we're talking about cuffing season we're talking about the handcuffs of the nfl um but before we get underway we apologize you pushed that episode back to saturday um a lot of tornadoes here where we're living um how'd you fare baney out in tornado well, valley I, over here
1: yeah you know uh, i walk for a living mailman and all so uh i got caught in july in a hailstorm. I thought I was in a scene from, uh, what is, uh, End of Tomorrow or whatever, this stupid, oh, man, it, it's its terrible. Yeah. Ping-pong-sized hail, and then, you know, you're texting me that you're hunkered down in a bunker with your dog somewhere. It's, you know, sketchy days out here,
0: man. <laughs> well, we're all good and well, so we're going to move on here to our handcuffs and give you guys the fantasy football Uh, everything you guys need before you guys hit your draft boards. But uh, we're going to change it up. I'm going to start today. How about that? Sound good? Yeah, give it to the people. All right, man. So number five. Uh, I switched my number five a lot during the whole week. I was battling, going between about three different handcuffs for my number five. But ultimately... I ended up going with Saquon Barkley and Matt Brita. Uh, obviously, we all know about Barkley. Finished fifth last season among running backs in PPR leagues. Um, but if you do draft him this year, you must, and I repeat, you must come around and get Brita one way or another. Um, there's no doubt about it. This This holdout is looking like there's no end to it. Yes, it's over $2 million, which... Any one of us would think it would be over with by now. But going on Saquon's Twitter post, his rants, I'm sure you've seen him, Bainey. Um, There's looking like no end to this uh, competition. So if you don't get Brita somewhat in that draft, hopefully you guys are loading up on running backs to make up for it just in case he does hold out. Because he says he's willing to hold out. Might be a couple games, might be the season. We don't know. We're it's basically who's going to flinch first in that contract negotiations. Um, but we'll see, you know, if Brita does be that running back one to start, we'll see how he does. But you got to come around and get him as soon as possible, I think. Um, not too high, obviously, but definitely make sure you're on the lookout if you have Barkley on the roster.
1: Yeah, man. Um, I don't want anything to do with Brita under any circumstance. Um I think if anything maybe you'd, you'd handcuff the second best rushing threat which is Danny Jones. Danny Dimes is I mean I I don't know. That that situation's terrible. I don't know why you wouldn't want to pay the guy who's responsible for 60% of your total offense. Um Yeah, man. I just I don't understand what's going on in New York. They I just pay
0: Barkley. <laughs> it's about it. You these <laughs> guys are getting a bad rep, these running backs, and it's sad to see the running back positions kind of falling off. It's basically draft a running back, use them till that fifth year, franchise tag them, rinse and repeat, it seems like. And I can't remember who's the last guy that got a, a deal. Was it uh CXC? Mixed- yeah, and Mixon just took a pay cut too, so that didn't help their cause either. So. Yeah.
1: No, it's gross, man. It really is. Handcuffs this year, it's like, uh, it's almost a uh, guarantee you're going to have to get somebody paired up with somebody because they're either in a holdout or they're coming off an ACL, it seems like.
0: Well, that wraps up my number five. What do you have at the number five slot here?
1: Yeah, so um keeping it close to uh, you know, the breakouts list, um P. Ryan and Javante Williams. I mean, we don't really have to get too deep into it. If you watched the last episode, you know how I feel about both these guys. Um speaking of running backs coming off of ACL injuries, um Javante Williams. It's it's right there. Um a, But not just that. Uh, Sean Payton has a history of making it work with two running backs, even if, you know, Javante is rearing and ready to go. Um, I mean, he's shown that he has had enough injury history to warrant a handcuff. If you've had him, you probably had Melvin Gordon last year at some point. So um, I think you said it last episode, too. Not everybody can be Batman. Smaji P. Ryan's a hell of a Robin. Um, That's pretty much as far as I'm going to go with that. I think uh, we covered a lot of the stats and the ADPs last episode.
0: Yeah, just in case you missed it, he finished 34th among PPR among running backs. uh P Ryan. Um, he did have a couple breakout games there at the end of the season. Uh, I think it was three or four games. He averaged 100 yards. It was.
1: Um, it's like 26 or 23 points per game or something in a three-week span. So yeah,
0: it's. He showed he can be the man at times. If he could do it a whole season. That'd be great, especially for the handcuff with Javante. I know you had worries about the injuries. Um, But yeah, I like him as a handcuff for that backup in there in Denver. What you
1: got cooking up at number four?
0: Number four? Let's see here. I have we're going down to Detroit. I got Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery. Um, When I see these two for some reason, I think about the Packers, okay, in their running back room. Uh, these guys remind me of Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. Um, there's already reports coming out that Jameer Gibbs is going to be a huge part of the passing game down there in Detroit. Um, a lot of people are coming up to me telling me that they still think he's going to be the number two back there in Detroit. I don't whatsoever. You don't draft that guy that high in the first round right after Bijan. Uh, to sit him behind Montgomery, especially when you already know known you had Montgomery on the roster. Uh, but as far as Montgomery goes, who's more of a grounded pound runner, he finished 24th uh, last year among running backs. Uh, to me, like I said, I can't stop seeing Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon with these two in this group. So uh, and I might be talking about those two later down in uh, the list as well on my end. I don't know about yours.
1: Yeah, so um, I think to start this whole let them know experience off, I, I had Jameer Gibbs on my, uh, you know, best duo list paired with St. Brown, and I don't waver off that. I think everything you've heard, they would have reached higher to draft him if they had to. They wanted him. They plan on using him. They plan on giving him a Camara type role. Um that being said, I do think that the Red Zone is gonna be Montgomery's place, and I think he'd do all right in that role um I'm never really been a huge Montgomery fan; I just think that he kinda every time another running back came into the fold in Chicago, he kind of fell off, and then you know he would get some shine again. But I think this is a really good role, and I think uh you know Jamal Williams last year being able to you know score was it 17 touchdowns in a similar role, I think Montgomery's going to have a lot of opportunity. And I think Gibbs in a PPR league is a no-brainer. So yeah, that, good, good solid choice at number four.
0: When Yeah, when you hear them wanting to use him in the passing game, especially if you're in PPR leagues, it's like love is in the air. You love hearing that, <laughs> especially when they take a guy that high in the first round. You know he's going to be their main staple there on that team. But – What do you have for number four here? Yeah,
1: so the story continues. Um, We talked about holdouts. We talked about knee injuries. We're going to start talking about holdouts again. Um, Zamir White, Josh Jacobs, um, it looks gross. It looks nasty. Um, I know, especially in keeper leagues, man, uh, Josh Jacobs is breaking a lot of hearts right now. I know you guys wanted him to come back after that year and just kind of – really thrive and build on something, but it's looking like he might not play. Um, and to be honest with you, I, I know a lot of people really like Zemir White. Um, I, I mean, he averaged you know, four yards per carry in college. Um, he's a pretty big guy, I mean, comparable to Josh Jacobs. Another thing, though, to look at is I think this is a handcuff regardless Of the holdout. And I say that because PFF actually released a really interesting article and it documented running backs coming after seasons of 400 or more touches and the fact that they don't really return the same amount of production the next year. And it's actually quite scary. And so, I mean, it's a lot of miles. I mean, it's the NFL. These guys are big. They're taking hits. Josh Jacobs, I mean, he's not shy for contact. Um, but 400 touches adds up, and to think that you know you could get an exact repeat of last year is I, I think foolish. But um, regardless of the hand or the um, the holdout, I think Zamir White and Josh Jacobs need to be a pair. And I think that uh, yeah, I think it goes without saying, man. The contract situations with running backs really ugly this year, and it's a shame that we've had talk about it this far, but. Yeah, how do you feel about that?
0: I I think Josh Jacobs is a huge part of that offense over there, not just Devontae Adams. Um, do I think White can step into those shoes and fill Jacobs? I'm not sure yet. Um, the guy did have 1,600 yards on the ground, and that's all due to his ability out there on the field. Um, as far as Jacobs getting the touches, we'll look at Derrick Henry's stats here and they're very comparable, and this guy's done it year after year as well. I think Jacobs can put a couple seasons back-to-back like Henry and have that kind of year, um, especially with the new QB over there. They're going to rely on the run game a lot. So yeah, if Jacobs doesn't play, White's White's going to be your guy. I feel like we kind of picked the same kind of thing if uh, with our top fives here. How I kind of sorted mine out was basically, say, that top guy goes down. Can the other one step up and perform, and how they perform together. So that's kind of how I put my list together. I don't know if that's how you went about yours, Bainey, but uh just a little insight on mine. Yeah, I
1: mean, Zemir White is a standalone. I don't think is very desirable, to be honest with you, but... Um, when you view Samir White as a discount potential r b one, then you know that's really starts opening the floodgates here, but um, but yeah, man, I just I wish there was more info on this stuff with regarding the contracts. I really think it's gonna turn into a standoff. I really think, like you said, who flinches first, and I think the teams really don't wanna fold because the moment they pay their guy, then you know. The floodgates just kind of open, and I think that maybe the NFL is trying to become a united front on this stuff, with they not paying the running backs, which I, I yeah, just don't understand. It, it's, it's giving
0: just... me Lamar Jackson vibes where it seems like people who need a QB didn't go after the QB, and they kind of just forced them back to Baltimore. It's kind of feeling like that kind of thing as well with the running back situation.
1: Yeah, and you know, not to get into all this, just because, like, I mean, it's a fancy podcast, but I was watching uh, Good Morning, or is it Good Morning Football, or Wake Up? I don't know, whatever the thousands of sports talk shows are in the morning on uh, on Tuesday, and they were breaking down the revenue from the Giants and the fact that they make like forty million dollars a year off parking. I think you can pay Barkley. I think that uh, that new stadium in the Sphere in Vegas is doing just fine. I'm sure off ad revenue for that they can they can pay Josh Jacobs.
0: For I mean sure. he's
1: putting he's putting butts in seats. They're selling jerseys off him. They're making all this money. I
0: for sure. Uh, number three, we're gonna move along here. Um, I hate that these two are gonna be on my list because they are part of the NFC South. I got Alvin Kamara and Jamal Williams as my number three. Um, yes, I know there's some allegations going on. Um, Kamara might miss some time. We don't know yet. Uh, but I'm going off what these guys can do. And, and one of them finished 16th last year. And that was Kamara among, uh, running backs here. So with him finishing 16th with 900 yards on the ground, 500 yards through the air, um, He is your PPR running back. That's your staple. He was basically Eckler before Eckler. Um, And we all know what Jamal Williams can do as a backup and as a starter. Uh, With him going out, uh, finished 13th. He actually finished above Kamara with over 1,000 yards rushing and 17 touchdowns, which was incredible. incredible year he had in Detroit, which I was also shocked they let him walk. So... That just goes to show you that the running backs kind of just are down a dozen the NFL, seems like, there. But, but Kamara's yeah, targets should go up, I believe, as well, Bainey. I don't know if you think the same with Carby in there, but his production should go up. That leads to numbers going up, so we're all winners there in fantasy.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, touch on Detroit, man. They didn't just let him walk. They emptied the entire running back room. Yeah. They... They let Deuce Staley walk. They let Jamal walk. They gave Swift to the Birds. Uh, I, They were very successful at running the ball last year, and they just they are like, you know what, let's just move away from everybody that did that last year. And, yeah, man, I think um, it's a weird world we live in when you're saying that, you know, Jamal Williams might even be, I mean, if the suspension stuff gets released before drafts start going, he might go before Kamara in this draft this year. Um, it depends on the games, obviously. Like, if it's six or eight games, then, yeah, we're talking about that. If it's two games, I don't think Camara's ADP really slides. But, like, yeah, I mean, you might really get both of these guys really late. I think Kamara opened the year, I think, in some mocks going ninth and tenth round. So, yeah man i mean there's potential to really build a roster around those two if you're patient enough to wait um and if you get the production out of jamal williams it really makes sense
0: yeah and what's nice too like i said before um about my list if one of these guys goes down and you have both of them i'm not sweating whatsoever to be honest with you um i'm not i'm not losing any sleep over that because it's just a plug and play at that point you know you got an RB one potential um not overall, I'm saying, just in general with your team, which is nice. But moving on to your number three.
1: Yeah, so moving on, you know, now it's going to kind of get fun. You know, we don't have to talk about the same two topics of, you know, the injuries and the holdouts. Um, I'm taking these two guys off of probably one of the most fun offenses to watch, man. It is Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell. I've said it before on the show, um... I could see San Francisco going to the Super Bowl this year. Um, Their offense to the moon, man. Their run game is incredible. Um, Yeah, I just, uh, if you really think about it, I mean, we don't really have to touch on CMC. We know what he brings to the table. We know he's a potential 1-1 in drafts. but even though Mitchell was hurt most of last year, um, in the games that he was healthy, he actually outtouched CMC in rushing, um, and they kind of focused more on CMC in the passing game, and then they kind of had like even splits. Um, so, like, I, I feel like that is going to be a trend that continues, um, simply because I mean, in twenty twenty one, in eleven games, Mitchell almost had a thousand yards rushing; he was over nine hundred yards. And then last year, he averaged 6.2 yards a carry. Not a huge sample size, I get it, but, like, the talent is there and the offense is there. Like, the offensive line's incredible. Like, their schemes on running and short passes, I mean, it's really just a no-brainer. I feel like, you know, it's kind of taboo at this point to really talk about, you know, all the CMC injuries. I mean, he can stay healthy. He has had some doozies. But, like, at this point in his career, and, and I really think he landed in a great spot. I mean, I don't think he could have went to a better offense suited for him. And, um, yeah, man, backup running backs for the last three, four years just seem to be hot commodities on the waiver wire. So, I mean, Elijah Mitchell and CMC as a handcuff, I think, is a no-brainer. I think it's something you have to do.
0: I, this is actually my favorite pick of yours so far. Um I had them debating with my number five with Barkley, Breeda, and also the other two I was going back and forth was Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibbs. Gibbs in there. And uh I'm glad they actually made one of our lists because Christian McCaffrey just gotta ask you right off the rip, is he your one one this year?
1: Um I'm a big uh wide receiver heavy guy. Okay. Um so I would go
0: – I'm going. a
1: huge Jamar Chase fan, to be honest with you. But, I mean, if Jamar or Jefferson, I absolutely – All right,
0: I don't we, hate I, I don't hate the never... McCaffrey pick either and at 1-1. One, one.
1: Absolutely not. Those three guys, I think, are an absolute lock for the first pick. Absolute lock, those three guys. I don't think there's any complaints about any of those three going off the board right away.
0: Not at all. I got no complaints from me, and – Mitchell's shown he can get it done uh before. It's just also the health as as again. Um but hopefully the QB situation there can stay put as well and Brock Purdy can <laughs> play a full season, see how he bounces back. And I'm I'm excited to see that offense again. Absolutely. Uh number two here. Uh I mentioned these guys uh prior. They remind me of my previous handcuffs here. I got Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon at number two. Uh, Jones finished ninth among running backs last year, while Dillon was twenty-sixth. Uh, they're like my one B handcuff. So if I can put a one B down, they would be one B. Um, so they're my number two here. Um, Jones is a PPR stud at the running back position with seventy-two targets. Um, that's huge in PPR leagues. We, we love to see those targets up, especially for running backs, uh, to go along with his five receiving touchdowns. Uh, while Dylan is the red zone Hawk there, we all know, I know I was an Aaron Jones owner last year and Dylan always hawked the short ones going in about five yards in, which drove me nuts, but they're both going to get theirs. I've I've learned that you just got to deal with it. They're both going to get their points. Um, sometimes it works out and they're fluent with each other while they're both playing. Sometimes they'll both eat, they both perform. Um, I'm not saying you're going to play them at the same time. There's weeks where you might have to, and it might pay off, you know. But if one of these guys goes down, I'm certainly if I have the handcuff, another plug and play. That's how I look at these handcuffs. I'm confident that Aaron Jones gets hurt, I'm putting Quad Quad Dylan down there, and vice versa.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, there was games last year where Dylan had multiple rushing touchdowns in a single game, and he was a viable play even as the backup running back with minimal touches. Um, there's games where Jones kind of disappeared for a while, and then there's games where Jones won you a week. Um, I think with Love at the quarterback, I think there's going to be a lot more use for both of these guys in the short game. Screen passes, dump-offs... Um, a lot more running potential, I think, to try to open things up for the young quarterback. I think there's a lot of use out of these two guys for sure.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of videos going around that uh, Jones and Love are working, running routes together this offseason already, so that's good to see as well. So definitely the chemistry is going to be there as well. Awesome, man. But what do you got at number two here? Your hand. Number comes. two. I'm telling you, the
1: next time we do this show, I'm not talking about the Cowboys and I'm not talking about the Falcons. I feel like it's all I do is talk about the Falcons and I talk about the Cowboys. We're talking about the Falcons. We're talking Bijan Robinson. We're talking Tyler Algier. Let's get through the bad stuff first, okay? I don't want to jinx your guy. I don't want to do it. I don't want to put that on you. Um, I don't want to you know, put a riff in our friendship if something happens, <laughs> but like, we have to talk about it. Rookie RBs getting hurt in their first season. Okay? Oh, it happens. Brees Hall, it happened. Even, you know, Kenny Walker at the end of the year last year, he missed a couple of games. It happened. ETN, it happened. Even Eckler with the wrist injury his rookie year. It happened. So to plan for it might be a smart thing. The work volume in the NFL I mean, like we said, they're bigger guys. This is the cream of the crop, you know. I understand he played in Texas. He played schools like he was the bell back in Texas. And he really doesn't have many injuries to show for in college. I think he missed a couple of games at the end of the year with an elbow injury. That's fine. But if he's going to get the workload that Atlanta is, you know, making it seem like he's going to get, there's potential for, you know, maybe a game or two, three whatever you know I hope it doesn't happen I hope this guy is everything we've been sold on I hope he's incredible and I really I look forward to watching this offense play we've talked about Pitts we've talked about London now we've talked about Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier Um, the offense really should be fun it honestly should and in that division I think there's going to be, like, potential for the Falcons to be up big and just run the ball in the second half. Um, Talk about Algier, man. Like, to get a 1,000-yard running back as your handcuff is a pretty good option. I mean, he ran for that last year, and to be honest with you, he'd probably be an RB1 on most teams right now. The only thing that sucks for him is – guy's got one of the best talents in the last four or five years coming out of college like he's a freak and you know he's built for this offense and algiers just kind of i mean you guys just hit a home run on him you drafted him late and he just turned into you know a great product and you know the falcons offense just built to run it's built to you know, get these guys their touches. Talking about a young quarterback again, a lot of screenplays, a lot of dump-offs, run game, open up the pass game. These guys, I think, if Atlanta's smart, which, I mean, they are, there's nothing but praise from any players that have played for the head coach down there, like on any podcast I listen to. They have nothing but great things to say about them. And I just I feel like they're going to run the ball a lot. And I feel like they need to use these guys in tandem and get them through the year healthy. And I think the best way to do that is to not split the touches, but be smart about it. And I think that if Robinson goes down, there's no reason to not have Algier on your roster. And if you don't, you're going to wish you did because you're going to have to trade to get him.
0: I I agree. I'm not going to say too much on it because I'm going to go straight to my number one. And my number one, I'm agreeing with you. I got <laughs> Robinson Algier right off the rip. No biased here whatsoever. None. None. <laughs> so uh, right off the rip. Um if Bijan lives up to half the hype he's getting right now, I'm seeing like Aaron Jones production, right? Do we agree on that? Danny.
1: I think more. <laughs> You think I, 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 I think Bijan well, is going to be...
0: Well, I'm saying if he lives up to half the hype.
1: Oh, half the... Okay, I misheard you. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, yeah, I we'll mean... say he's, he'll be Aaron Jones' production, right? If he gets to that full where everybody's talking about this guy, this is, I believe, strongly believe, this is Eckler 2.0 for the Atlanta Falcons. They're going to use him in the pass game as much as they're going to use him in the run game. And just like... Bainey said earlier, say something does happen to him. You got a thousand yard rusher behind him and guess who his backup is. Cordell Patterson. They have the (laughs) deepest running back room in the NFL. And to have those three guys is incredible. It's kind of reminding me. I wouldn't Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman were a different one, two, but these guys I feel like are elevated higher than that. Um, But that running back room is scary. Like you said, um, Algier started seven games last year, over 1,000 yards rushing. Do you credit him or do you credit the line? We're going to find out what Bijan could do with that same line uh, because they re-signed both their guys in Lindstrom and McGarry. So with those three down in Atlanta, they're definitely going to be running the ball. And we all know Arthur Smith loves running the ball because he had Derrick Henry in Tennessee also. That's all they did was feed the beast. So that's my number one. I just wanted to jump to that. You hit a lot of my points, and I didn't want to comment too much because I knew that was coming up for me as well. But what's your number one here?
1: Well, one last thing on the Bijan. I kind of
0: accident, accidentally showed it just to warn you, Baney. <laughs> it's fine.
1: It's fine. But um, like the only thing you might run into an issue with with those guys is... Draft capital. I mean, Algier is gonna go higher than most of these handcuffs, yeah. ADP wise. Um, yep. So, I mean, you might have some sacrifice there. You might have to really do some strategic game planning. Uh, but, I mean, it's I you're gonna have to you're gonna have to suck it up and do it.
0: Yeah, it it I I agree on that portion. Um, Algier finished 29th last season, and you had Cordell Patterson finishing thirty first. They're, and that's incredible with Algier being the backup the whole season. Um, and they still ran three running backs. They had Avery, Avery Williamson, or I can't remember his name. He just got hurt. They have so many running backs there, it's hard to keep track. But I kind of showed a sneak peek of your number one. Why don't you go tell us what your number one is?
1: Yeah, no. Um, this one is a little bit of... Recency bias based on everything we're seeing here and coming out of camp, but also it's a little bit of, um, I mean, year over year proof. Um, that if you take both running backs in Cleveland, you're gonna be happy you did. Um, I'm going Jerome Ford and Nick Chubb. Um, the coaches absolutely love Jerome Ford, love Jerome Ford so much that they let everybody else go. Um, Kareem Hunt. Still a free agent. I mean, he was crazy valuable in that offense. I mean, last year's a down year, sure, but they almost cracked 1,000 yards rushing both of them, Chubb and Hunt. Um, but the coaches are quoted saying that he is he can do anything and everything on the field. Pretty good praise. Um, they also don't have Dearness Johnson there, who had some crazy stellar weeks a couple years ago. Uh, really just uh i mean he's in jacksonville now
0: i thought for sure uh, they were gonna keep him
1: i i thought that was the lock i was like dude that is that would have been my one one for handcuffs this year but um yeah no we're going to Jerome ford um yeah outside of the history of just backup running backs producing behind chubb is this dude's collegiate stats are impressive um 2021, 1,300 yards rushing, 19 touchdowns, 11 yards per catch as well. Um, In Cincinnati both years, he averaged 6.6 yards a carry and 6.1 yards a carry. He's 5'11", 215 pounds. Um, I just can't think of a more, like, archetype, better backup for Nick Chubb. Not saying – he's a replacement by any means, or you're getting the same production. But, I mean, you see Nick Chubb go off the field, and you think, as defense, like, oh, good, I get a break. And then you see this guy come back onto the field, and it's just like, Jesus Christ, like, like, what are we doing? And the offensive line in Cleveland is fantastic. They love to run the ball. You got to think, too, like, you know, half the season, end of the year, it's when the weather kind of gets bad. You you start really dependent on running the ball, and I just think that there's no reason that you can't get this guy very late, so you can still roster build. Um, Nick Chubb obviously is going in the first, um, but yeah, man, I I just think that history shows it doesn't matter who's running the ball, but uh, behind Chubb, they're they're just as productive. And in small spurts, and I, I just think that Jerome Ford, if he's what they're saying he is, and proof shows that, I mean, they let a lot of good names go for this guy. I, I think they're making room for him. I think uh, I think we're going to see a lot of Jerome Ford, and I mean, I hope Chubb stays healthy. I hope, you know, some knee stuff doesn't flare up. And But I think as far as handcuffs go, I think it makes a lot of sense.
0: Now, as far as getting the room, you're saying basically they let these guys go for Ford. Do we believe that, or do we believe they're letting these guys go for the players they brought in, like Zadarius Smith on the defensive side maybe, and they were just happy enough with Ford?
1: Well, I don't think that, like, obviously the contract stuff shows that they weren't going to pay Hunt. Um, and nobody else has paid Hunt, so I think that that's kind of its own thing. Um, Dearness Johnson, I has basically been a P Squad guy, but has flashed in instances. So to think that they could have brought him back at a you know not a discount deal, but a cheap deal, I, I do think that they easily could have brought Dearness Johnson back. Um, I think that he made a great move going to Jacksonville. Um, I think that by the end of the year, he's gonna be having his name called in Jacksonville. I'm not an ETN fan. I'm not shy about that. Um, I was on the fade train oh. with him years ago, and so I, like I said, man, they've they've had production, and for them to let go with guys that they're familiar with, familiar with the offense, and to let this guy have some room, I really think shows that there's a lot of faith in him.
0: Yeah, I'm on, I'm kind of, with DeAndre Johnson. I don't think Jacksonville does like him. Uh, they drafted that Tank Bigsby, I thought, right in the second round, behind e, to go behind ETN.
1: They also have Hasty there, and to be honest with you, I think they're really starting to adopt the Philly motto that uh, Peterson had when they were in the Super Bowl in Philly because oh, yeah. that was a four running back tandem.
0: Yeah, and that was, that, was... that was in our early episode I mentioned as well. He's going to go back to that run game, and that's why I was fading, I believe, uh, ETN in my one. Um, but as far as the Browns, getting back to the Browns, I'm a huge Nick Chubb fan. Um, I got nothing bad be. to say. We're, hey, we love the Georgia Bulldogs. I'm sure you can agree on that, being a Philly <laughs> fan. This guy went over 1,500 yards on the ground and 12 TDs. Um I, I'm i not going to say who. I'll let you guess. But a guy we both know came up to me today. Steelers fan. And said, this was probably the best pick you've ever made, Bainey. And he's been reading a lot on board as well. And he actually agrees with you. And he never agrees anything Browns with us. So I think you hit a home run with your number one pick with him. For sure, and hey, we might actually see him on the podcast shortly.
1: Oh man, that'd be exciting, man! I don't, I don't know if we have enough hair gel to contain that, but <laughs> you know, it's good. It's good to know that uh, maybe he's loosening up on that; it didn't corrupt his brain too much, you know.
0: <laughs> uh, so that that wraps up our <laughs> top five for handcuffs in the cuffing season. Um, appreciate you guys watching the videos sharing, commenting. Uh, again, you can find us on all socials. You can find us episodes on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcast. But until the next time, episode eight, we'll see you then. Peace.